good morning. Welcome to Zion Lutheran Church on the 16th Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, seeing that it's Sunday, September 25th, Mary noticed this week that it's only three months till Christmas, so I hope that makes you feel cheerful. Uh, before we begin our worship, I do want to say a big thank you to everyone who made the quarter sale possible yesterday, so all of those who volunteered, all of those who carry things, who man their stations, who baked, who cleaned, who organized, everyone who, who made it possible. Thank you very much. Uh, I think it was a great opportunity to bless our community, and I know that many people appreciated the quarter sale itself and also the free lunch, and, and so thank you for, for making that possible and being a blessing to those around us. Uh, there are some unsold items from the quarter sale that are back in the fellowship hall on tables. You are free to go look and take anything you would like for free, no need for a quarter. Uh, if some of your stuff is unsold, feel free to take it back. Uh, we'll leave it there through the end of the week. Whatever is not taken, we will distribute to thrift shops and, and other places that could use it. So feel free to take what you would like. Um, and take a look today if you can. Also, just wanted to give a quick update on our water situation. Uh, so an EPA representative was here on Tuesday, I believe, and talked to Bob McGall about, about the water. So just to clarify, our water does not have E. coli. Uh, however, it is positive for coliform bacteria. So there is possibly some contamination there, however, uh, not, we don't need to treat it like toxic waste or anything like that. However, the EPA would like to see some re remediation steps done. Council members, uh, Bob put a sheet in your folders about the remediation that needs to be done for the water and we need to have it done by September 30th. Uh, so if we could organize a time um, and get together and decide how we want to approach that, that would be much appreciated. Yeah. I put two gallons of Clorox down the well, okay. like the plumbers told me to do. Okay. So the water should be fine to wash dishes in your hands, but I wouldn't drink it yet. Okay. Could, it's a, well, it reminds me of Lima City water now because it tastes <laughs> like right. Clorox. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for letting us know. Um, then there's probably just a couple other things we need to, to work on on that sheet. So. Uh, keep that in mind. Also, before you leave, check your mailboxes today for your October newsletters and make sure you grab those. Lots of things going on in the church in October. Lots of things we want you to participate in and be involved in. So take a look at that uh, when you get the opportunity. Are there any other announcements or any prayer requests to bring before the congregation? Yeah. Yeah, Rose is here and... She is an answer to prayer for us, and, and I know God's watching over her. We'll keep Rose in our prayers and grateful that she's here with us this morning again. Well, if there's nothing else, I'll invite you to take a moment to quiet your hearts and quiet your minds as we prepare for worship and listen to the prelude.
congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. But for sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to God's people on earth. God, rich in mercy, you look with compassion on this troubled world. Feed us with your grace and grant us the treasure that comes only from you, through Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The first reading is from Amos. Alas for those who are at ease in Zion and for those who feel secure on Mount Samaria. Alas, for those who lie on beds of ivory and lounge on their couches, and eat lambs from the flock and calves from the stall, who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp, and like David, improvise on instruments of music, who drink, from, who drink wine from bowls and anoint themselves with the finest oils, but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore, they shall now be the first to go into exile, and the revelry of the loungers shall pass away. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's psalm is Psalm 146, read, read responsibly. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, O my soul. Put not your trust in rulers, in mortals, in whom there is no help. Happy are they who have the God of Jacob for their help, whose hope is in the Lord their God. 
who gives justice to those who are oppressed and food to those who hunger. The Lord sets the captive free. The Lord cares for the stranger. The Lord sustains the orphan and the widow, but frustrates the way of the wicked. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God is throughout all generations. Hallelujah. The second reading is from 1 Timothy. Of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, man of God, shun all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the right time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, it is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Luke. Lord. Jesus said, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, 
There, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony with these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us is a great chasm that has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated. Children, I invite you to come forward. Uh... Girls, have you ever seen a chart like this? Have you ever seen one of these? Uh Oh, here's what I'm holding up today, if you can read that. Uh, Sometimes you'll see these at a doctor's office or at an eye doctor uh, or other places that need to know if you can see well. It's supposed to test how well you can see. It's like an eye test, right? So can you read that top letter? What's the top letter? E, right? And even if I step back far away, you can probably still read it, right? E? From there, can you read that bottom line? You can't see it from there? If I come closer, can you see it? You can read it from there, right? But probably not back from here. Okay. Well, I was thinking about being able to see and what we can see and sometimes what we don't see. Uh, In our gospel reading this morning, it tells of a rich man and a poor man. And the rich man every day has a big feast at his house. He eats a lot, he parties, he's having a good time. But right outside of his house, there was a poor man who needed help. And we're told that the rich man won't see him. Right? That he could see him. If he opened his eyes and he looked out, he could see him. But he won't see him. He just ignores him and he doesn't help the poor man. And so I was thinking about things that we see or don't see, things that we can see, can't see, that we will see or we won't see. Then I was thinking about God and God who sees us. So in the story, the rich man doesn't want to see the poor man outside of his house. He doesn't want to help him. However, I think God is not like that at all. Instead, I think God always sees us. And that's in a good way. God always sees us. Right? When we need something, when we need to be taken care of, when we need to be made safe, when we need love and forgiveness, God sees us. He doesn't turn his head. He doesn't look away. He doesn't ignore us. He doesn't refuse to see us. But God always sees us. And even if we feel really small, like this last line of letters out here, even if we feel far away and small, God sees us. 
and God loves us and takes care of us. Let me pray for you. Lord, help us to know that you always see us and that you always promise to care for us and to treat us kindly with your blessings. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In most of Jesus' parables, I think it's possible to read them so that God is the hero of that parable. For example, in the parable of the prodigal son, God is the father who welcomes back the wayward son. In the other parables, God is the shepherd who seeks out the lost sheep. God is the one who goes and finds the lost coin. God is the good Samaritan that heals us when all others have ignored us. And God is the solid ground on which we can build our house. In the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, however, I don't think we get a direct picture so much of who God is. Rather, I think we're getting a parable of a picture of who God is not. God is not like the rich man in our parable. Two weeks ago in Luke chapter 15, we heard about the Pharisees who were the grumblers. The Pharisees were grumbling because Jesus was welcoming sinners. He was making sinners into his friends. And they wondered, what kind of God could be so friendly with tax collectors, with prostitutes, with Gentiles, with the scum of the earth? What kind of God would do that? Surely they thought God is not interested in availing himself to those kinds of people. Jesus then responds with a series of parables that show God is interested in those kinds of people. In fact, God himself is seeking them out. God wants to save them. He wants to celebrate life with them and salvation with them. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus serves as a kind of inversion of the story of the prodigal son or those who seek out the lost. What we see in this parable is a picture of ungodliness. It's a picture of the spiritual state of those who are grumbling about God's mercy. And so we notice the contrast and details in the parable. We're told that this rich man is dressed in purple and in fine linen. Of course, purple was extremely expensive and rare. Purple dye in those days was made from a rare kind of sea snail that had to be specially collected and specially processed. And so only the rich could own something purple. And only the richest of the rich could afford to wear purple as just regular clothing. We hear that the rich man feasted sumptuously every day. This isn't just eating with his family every day. It's not even just eating a big meal every day. It's saying that he has an elaborate, luxurious meal that he would eat until he was sick. This was a feast that was all about showing what you could afford, showing that you had the finest food, that you had the best wine, and that you had it in abundance, and you could eat and eat and eat and make yourself sick with it. And we're told that there's food that falls from the rich man's table. That's not just the crumbs that fall from the plates. But in these rich feasts, those who were dining, they would use large pieces of bread as napkins to wipe their hands. And once they wiped their hands, they would just throw the bread to the ground and let it be cleaned up by servants later. And so the common bread that families worked daily and worked hard for in that ancient world, that was literal trash 
for this rich man. It was nothing to him, nothing at all. And so we see the point. This isn't just a rich man. This is a man who has everything the world can offer. He has everything, luxury beyond belief. And who sits at his gate? A poor man. Our translation says that poor Lazarus laid there, but a better translation might be that he was thrown there. He was cast there. He was in such bad shape that he wasn't able to get around on his own. Someone had put them at that gate, hoping that the rich man would see him and have a little bit of mercy on him. Remember, in this day, there were no social safety nets. There was no social security, no disability, no, welf no welfare, no social workers, no homeless shelters. There was only the hope that your family might be able to take care of you. And when they couldn't, the best they could do was put them outside of the rich man's gate and hope that there might be some mercy. And then Lazarus here laying here, instead of receiving that mercy, he's left there for dogs to lick his wounds. And these are not cute pet dogs, of course. These are half-wild dogs scavenging for food. And Lazarus, so weak, is not able to fend them off. He's not even fully clothed, that his wounds are exposed, and he has to lie there for the dogs. And there's a contrast here between this and the parable of the prodigal son. And it should be clear, because in the parable of the prodigal son, the father sees his poor, pitiless son from far off, and he runs to him, and he embraces him, and he welcomes him. And here, the rich man fails to see the poor man who's right outside his gate, who just needs a little bit of mercy. And the prodigal son, the father throws a party for his returned son. The father doesn't tell his son to go back to wanting to eat the pods thrown to the pigs. Instead, he kills the fatted calf for his son. He parties, he feasts with his son. And the father isn't partying for himself. He's not just indulging for the sake of indulging. He's celebrating that his son has returned. In this morning's parable, the rich man throws a party every day just for himself, just to show how much that he has. And the prodigal son, the older son, is encouraged to celebrate because this is your brother who has died and is alive again. In this parable, the rich man is told it's even futile to warn his brothers because they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. What we see then, I think what Jesus wants us to see in this parable, is that we see a God who does not lock people out. He does not ignore them. God is always giving, always showing mercy, always forgiving. The psalm for this morning says, The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord cares for the stranger. The Lord sustains the orphan and the widow, but frustrates the way of the wicked. In other words, the Lord cares for the vulnerable. He cares for the hopeless. Now that we have seen in the parable what Christ is telling us about God, we should consider what this parable might be speaking to us today. And so on the most basic level, I think we see that God does not want us to be like this ungodly rich man. Right? It's, un it's ungodly and it's cruel to ignore Lazarus at the gate. To be a Christian is to be filled with love. It's not to be cruel and callous. The Pharisees, whom Jesus is addressing, could not see that the sinners they so readily dismissed were in great need of God's mercy. And so when the Pharisees ignored them and dismissed them, 
they were being cruel. They were being exclusionary. And more than that, they were being ungodly. They showed no characteristics of God at all in their actions. And these Pharisees claimed to be righteous. They claimed to be believers. They claimed to have it all. Right? They knew the scriptures. They knew their traditions. They were well-educated. They claimed that they feasted on the truth of their faith. But they refused to look at the Lazaruses at their gate. All of those sinners whom Jesus welcomed were not welcome at the Pharisees' tables. And so on one hand, there's a warning to us not to ignore people who need God. Rather, to be a Christian is to realize there is great suffering in this world and that we cannot refuse to see it. We cannot shut out others from the life of faith and to dismiss others and to refuse to share the mercy of God with them is a road to hell for ourselves. That warning, I think, is very clear in the parable. But also, I think it's worth considering as we read this parable that each of us is a Lazarus at the gate. None of us, of course, are sitting in the street, wounded, unable to take care of ourselves. But many of us are there spiritually. Many of us carry all kinds of spiritual wounds. We carry the wounds of knowing that we have been disappointments to God at some point in our lives. Some of us carry wounds knowing that we've been disappointments to our families, to our loved ones, to those around us. And we know, most of all, that we're helpless to help ourselves. We know that we often try with all of our might to be better people, to do better spiritually. We resolve to stop a particular sin. We resolve to be kinder, gentler. We resolve to be a person who prays more, who reads the Bible more, who shows up to church more, who is more generous. We resolve to stop getting so angry at little things, to stop gossiping, or whatever it might be that afflicts us. And yet, we fail so often. Spiritually, so often we find that we are frail, that we're helpless. Spiritually, we can be like that Lazarus lying at the gate. And spiritually, there's nothing for us to do but to sit there and wait on God's mercy. But that's exactly what we are here to do. We come here with the truth that God does not ignore us when we are at his gate. Faithfully, we know that as sinners, God is opening his gates of mercy to us. He's inviting us to his table. He sees our wounds, he sees our pains, he sees our grief, and he embraces us. God is not that selfish rich man. Rather, God is the Father who longs to have us in his arms. So when you come to that truth and believe it, then the fruit of love that allows you to see others as Lazarus blossoms in you. The author Brennan Manning puts it like this, As we come to grips with our own selfishness, with our own stupidity, we make friends with the imposter and accept that we are also impoverished, that we are broken, and we realize that if we were not, we would be God. The art of gentleness toward ourselves leads us to being gentle with others. When we know God's mercy to us as sinners, then we begin to see each other differently. We can see each other gently and carefully. We can show compassion to one another. And that's the truth of this parable. We are all beggars. We all have nothing but the mercy of God. And we're promised 
that he is faithful to us. He is faithful to see us and to show us that mercy. Amen. Together, let us stand and confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. 
us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. God of mercy, you provide us with your holy word that we might know and believe in Christ. Make us diligent to study your word, to dwell in your promises, and make us content with your blessings in this life, and help us to joyfully look toward the life to come. Lord, in your mercy. Holy God, remember those whom you have called to ministry. Strengthen them that they might be above reproach as they care for their own households as well as care for your church. Preserve them from every snare of the devil and give them a great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Lord, in your mercy. Father in heaven, preserve our homes from idols. Bless all fathers, mothers, grandparents, neighbors, as they work to catechize children, that generations might faithfully come to know you and to bless you and to rejoice in your gifts. Lord, in your mercy. King of kings and Lord of lords, watch over the authorities of this and every nation, especially Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor. Deliver them from the idols of wealth and power and grant that they would use their offices in service to you and to those you have entrusted to their care. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, you afflict in faithfulness and comfort in your steadfast love. Let your mercy come to Owen, Cheryl, Tom, Tana, Ray, Marilyn, Wendell, Mike, Nancy, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, and Alan, and all of those who are in need of help, that they may find their consolation in your promises. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, you deliver your people from the sufferings of this world and comfort them with eternal rest. Receive our thanks for your kindness to the saints who have gone before us and preserve us in repentance until we are carried by angels to Abraham's side. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, gracious God, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you always.
Let us pray. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen.
Go in peace. Serve the Lord.